when Sister Carol was talking, you stole my sermon, girl. You did a good job. She said something critical. She mentioned the word rest. The word rest. Parents, if you know what I'm talking about, I want you to say amen. Children can't wear you out. Can I get an amen? Children can make you tired. Work can make you tired. Amen? Living can wear you out and take the joy out of your life. But there is something in the scripture called a Sabbath rest. And we've come to that portion of scripture, and I have wrestled with this all week long, really going through commentaries, trying to dig out everything, because this resonates in my heart. Someone this week said, Pastor, I'm worried about you. I said, why? He said, you look tired. I said, that's because I'm tired. You know, I go to the gym in the morning, and I'm tired after that. He said, no, we don't want you to burn out. I said, well, praise God, you don't want to burn out. I don't want to burn out either. And the way to avoid burnout is rest. So take a look at it. We are in Hebrews chapter 4 today, church. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 is where we're going to start. Speaking of your Sabbath rest, we want to say this. God has promised his people rest. Can I get an amen on that? God has promised to his born-again, redeemed, Holy Spirit-filled people that they will have a rest. Now, before we start, I want to read the last two verses from last week. Last week, these were the last two verses we dealt with. Listen to it, and it'll set up the whole thing. And who did he swear to that they would not enter his rest? If not those who disobeyed, so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Speaking of the Jewish people, speaking of those who were in the desert about to cross into the promised land, they did not claim the rest because of unbelief and disobedience. Now, having said that, listen to the words of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, because of what we just read, while the promise to enter his rest remains, let us fear that none of you should miss it. For we also have received the good news just as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger they would not enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Again, in that passage, he says, they will never enter my rest. May God bless us to our understanding. Because when you're tired, church, when you are worn out, when you can't take it anymore, what you need is the rest that God promises his people. You're going home to the Philippines. I know how stressful that plane flight is. You got to get from here to the other coast. That's a bad enough flight especially with the food they serve on the airplane. You take some pants with you, brother, because that stuff is nasty. Okay, then you got to wait around the airport. Then you got to get somehow from, like, you from L.A. straight to the Philippines, or you're going to go through Taiwan or through Japan. Every time you get on and off a plane, it just wears you down, amen? And you, when you get there, you're going to be tired. You don't want to be tired when you get home. You want to have energy. You want to be wound up and excited. Sunday morning, you can get to church tired. Why are you tired today? Think about this. Why are you tired? What happened this morning? What happened last night that wore you out? Well, here's the thing. God's promised us rest. Let's break this down. Therefore, while the promise to enter his rest remains, isn't it good to know 
that even though the people of Israel came to the borders of the promised land, they saw the promised land, they saw the fruit of the promised land, yet because of fear and unbelief, they did not enter. Yet God's promise that those who believe can rest in him, that promise is still valid. Church, you know that? No matter what happened to you this week, no matter what's been going on at work, in your marriage, with your children, with yourself. Yesterday, the guys got together in uh, the Mighty Men, and we talked about the landmines of anger, how anger is like a landmine that lays in us, and it blows up when we least expect it. No matter where that conflict is, inside or outside, God's promised you rest. Now, do you believe that today? Not just in your head, but do you believe in your heart that no matter what you're going through, be that cancer, be that marital trouble, be that worry about your children, be that worry about a job. I mean, Lenny and Katrina have been through a list of things that should have cost them their rest. But no matter what you're going through, you have that rest. It says the promise to enter is still there. It says, let, let us fear that none of you should miss it. You see, the job of a pastor is to make sure that everybody who comes into God's house understands. When you walk out the door, you can walk out one of two ways. The same way you came in, in doubt and in fear and unbelief, or you can walk out the door secure in the knowledge of who God is and what he has in store for you. Maybe you had a rough week. Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. Yes, I do. I've had those weeks. I've had those years. Amen? I've had those years where nothing goes right, where you think, I just can't make it one more day. I can't go to one more job interview and be told there's no job for me. Yes, you can. Look at this. We don't want anyone to, says, for we have also have received the good news just as they did. The people of Israel got to the borders of the promised land. What good news did they get? Go through and take it because I'm giving it to you. God said, I'm going to give you the land. I will drive out the inhabitants. All you have to do is walk in and take it. They got good news. What was the problem with their good news? They didn't believe it. They doubted that God could take that land because 10 spies came back and said, oh no, they're huge people, walled cities, huge weapons. We can't go in there. We're like grasshoppers. We're too small. We're too weak. We can't, we can't make a difference in there. Only two men, Joshua and Caleb, said what? Let's take it. God said, it's ours. Let's take it. Who'd they believe? The ten or the two? They believed the ten. In your life, ten people out of twelve will tell you you can't do it. Ten people out of twelve will be negative. Oh, God doesn't care about us. God's not involved. You have to do it yourself. You have to make your own way. I don't care if that's what the Bible says. You've got to do what you need to do. Don't listen to the ten. You've got to listen to the two. It says this, that the good news they received did not benefit them because they were not united with those who held it in faith. Who held it in faith. And that's why he swore in his anger, they will never enter my rest. Go on down. This is in verse 3. His works have been finished since the foundation of the world. God finished his works. He said this, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way. You know the seventh day, the Sabbath, right? Just say amen. This is the Sabbath, amen? Okay, now, spoken this way, and on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Does God get tired? Does God need a nap? Does God get sore muscles? What does it mean to say that God rested from his work? That God rested. 
Simple. You know what the word rest means in the Hebrew language? He ceased working. Why did God cease working after six days? Because it was done. All the work that needed to be done for creation to go forward was completed on six days. On the sixth day. The seventh day, he ceased from his work, and what did he do? He enjoyed the work. He enjoyed the beauty of all that he had made. He simply ceased from doing any more creation. That's how we know evolution is not true. Evolution says it goes on and on. No, God ceased. He rested from his work on the seventh day. So it was done. Again, the passage says, they will never enter my rest. Take a look at Genesis. This is great. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. Notice, it was completed. It was exactly as God intended it to be. You think I'm mental, but just in a few minutes, you're going to see what this has to do with us. But on the seventh day, oh, but the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done, and he rested, or he ceased on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now here, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he ceased from his work of creation. Remember what God said to men? Six days will you labor and do all your work, and on the seventh day you will have a Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for men so they didn't work themselves to death. Do you know why the early people didn't have electric lights? Because if you have electric lights, you can work deep into the night, right? Ladies, consider this. Without electricity, y'all wouldn't have to work till 11 o'clock at night cleaning the house and cooking the food and doing your children's homework for them. You could actually go to bed and get some sleep. Go figure that one. God's infinite wisdom didn't give us electricity so that we could actually stop and rest. Used to be people slept about eight hours, sometimes nine if they were tired. Nowadays, the average person in America, get this, the average person in America tries to get by on five hours sleep. You know what five hours sleep does to you? Makes you cranky, makes you mean, makes you nasty, and makes you ugly. When you don't get enough sleep, you don't look good. Your eyes are all puffy, and you get them dark circles. Not that I'm speaking to any pastors in the office. Here we go. It happens when you don't get enough rest. You don't cease from your labor and allow yourself to rest. Because when you're working 20 hours a day, seven days a week, when do you sit back and enjoy all that God has done for you? When can you sit back and enjoy his creation? Easy. You can't. So we're talking about a Sabbath rest. Hebrews 4, 6 through 13. What is a Sabbath rest? What is the Sabbath rest? Now we say up here that the Jews did not enter the rest because they didn't believe it. They saw the land, they saw the fields beyond the Jordan River. They did not go in because they did not believe God was big enough to take care of business. That was their problem. And now let's look at us. Hebrews 4, 6 through 13. Since it remains for some to enter it, speaking of his rest, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience. Now stop on that sentence. That's a whole sermon right there. There are those in the past who did not pay attention to what God was doing, and they missed the chance to take part in God's rest. They missed the chance to enter the promised land. But here it is again, just like it was up there in verse 1, since it remains for some to enter it. 
sitting here in this church today, there might be one person among us, one person today, who has never entered the rest of Jesus Christ. One person sitting here today may be here hearing the gospel for the first time or really listening to it. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've heard Jesus saves so much you don't hear it anymore. Maybe you hear about the cross and the blood and the Lord's Supper and the juice and the bread, and you hear all those things so many times since you were a little kid, you still just don't get it. That without Jesus, there's no rest in your heart. You're always trying to earn God's love. You're always trying to get God to approve of you or give you something or bless you or do something else. You're trying to earn something that's been done. So I said it remains for some to enter it, although formerly they received it and did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he specifies a certain day, today, speaking through David after such a long time as previously stated. Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Now, Joshua led them into the promised land. Amen? He led them into the promised land. What did they face on the other side of the Jordan River? Did they all sit around and camp and sing Kumbaya? They went to war. They went to war to clean out the promised land. Did they successfully clean out the promised land? No. That's another sermon. There were some places in the promised land they didn't take because they looked a little too hard. They left some enemies in the land, and those are the enemies that came back to bite them. But that's another sermon. We'll get there someday. Don't harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken by the later day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. Take verse 9 and underline it, church. You need verse 9. A Sabbath rest remains remains for God's people. That's it. Verse 10, for the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own work. That's the crux of everything we want to study today. If you have entered the rest of Jesus Christ, if you have entered his work on the cross, if you have taken him as that great high priest, if you have accepted that sacrifice, this is past tense. If you have accepted him, Notice what you have done. You have ceased from all your works. Put a question mark. What are the works that the saved person has rested from? We're going to come back to that. Just as God did from his, let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience, speaking about verse 1. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. You want to know where unrest is? You want to know where that feeling of unrest is in your life? This is believer or unbeliever. You want to know where it is? Judge the ideas and the thoughts of the heart. When the men spoke about anger yesterday, we spoke about the landmines, we spoke about the injuries of the past that have never been dealt with, never been healed, never been forgiven. That's what we talked about. Because that's where the unrest lays, is in the heart. It's here in the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him 
to whom we must give an account. God sees your unrest today, church. He knows why you're unsettled. He knows your fear. He knows the anguish of your heart. If you're sitting here today and you are desperately lonely, church, I will tell you, you can be married to a great woman. You can have great children or a great child. And you can still be desperately lonely if you do not have peace with the one who gave you the great wife and the amazing children. You can be desperately lonely inside if you do not have peace with the only one who can give you peace, and that's Jesus Christ. I want you to take a look at this. This is amazing to me. What works have we rested from? Go right back to verse 10. The person who has entered, past test, his rest. What rest did God offer the people of Israel? He says, I will give you a land flowing with what? Vinegar and hardship? Milk and honey. He says, I'm going to make you safe. I'm going to prosper you. Your crops will come at the right time. The, the former rains and the latter rains will fall at the right time. In Israel, you only get a couple rains. If they don't come, your crops are destroyed. The people of Israel had to count on God to bring the rain. You know what? You can work yourself to death, but it's God who brings the rain. You know, as Lenny was testifying up here, God brings it not when you want it, but right when you need it, when you desperately need it. The people of Israel who did not go into the promised land, what happened to them? Cast your mind back to Sunday school when you were five. Did they put up mobile homes and dwell along the River Jordan and wait for God to build a bridge? Where did they go? Back into the wilderness. What did they do in the wilderness? They wandered around, Right? They wandered around for 40 years until all those who disobeyed died. Anybody remember a guy named Cain? Remember Cain? When Cain killed Abel, he got a smart mouth with God. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. Where did Cain go? He said, Cain left, and he dwelt on the east of Eden in the land of Nod. Okay? Nod is not a city name. It's not like Raleigh or Durham or Cary. The word nod means, you're going to love this church, the word nod means to wander. Cain left, dwelt on the eastern part of Eden in the land of wandering. Why did Cain wander? Because he had no peace with God. He had no forgiveness he, God had given him a mark on his forehead so that nobody would kill him because of what he had done. But he lived his life wandering far from God, far from that place of peace. Church, how many of us spent decades in wandering far from the grace of God before we finally realized that the one thing that we couldn't buy, that we couldn't earn, that we couldn't get was the peace that only God gives when we stop wandering and we come home. Now here's the thing. We need to cease wandering. When the people came out of the desert after 40 years, everybody who was alive had wandered in the desert for 40 years, right? They started as little children, now they were adults, now they had families. What was their choice after wandering for 40 years? They came back to the same river, the same decision they, their parents had faced. 
But this time they had the same choice. Do you go across the river? Do you stand on God's word? Do you trust his deliverance? Or do you go back into the desert? Do you go back into the place of wandering? Do you know what? For the person who has entered his rest has ceased from his wandering. He has ceased from his religion. He has ceased from trying to prove to God that he's worthy. How many things do we do or did we do in our former lives? How many things did we do to try to win God's approval? If I go to church, if I tithe, if I take part in the missions group or the worship team, or if I serve as an usher, God's going to approve of me because I'm, I'm earning it. I'm doing all this. You can't do it. Church, today, your Sabbath rest is stop trying to please your Father to get salvation and accept the salvation He's given you. I can rest in the fact that I am not a perfect person. You know, contrary to what Sister Carol said, I, I ain't the Pope. I kind of look like him, you know, bald and white-headed, but getting there. I know that my only peace is in Jesus Christ's acceptance of me. Not what I do in the pulpit, not what I do on the stage or anything else. How much frustration do we encounter when we're trying to prove to other people that we're Christians? We're trying to prove that we're good enough. We're trying to prove that we're kind enough. When all we need to do is rest, cease from trying to impress everybody and be what we are. Be the people God made us to be. We are saved by grace through faith. Amen? Not by the things that we do. What we do, we do out of gratitude for what God's already done. That's the work we cease from. The Pharisees worked hard seven days a week to keep those 600 plus laws. Why? Because that's their work. That's their labor. That's their creation effort to get God to accept them. Imagine what would happen to a Pharisee if they simply ceased from all 600 plus laws and they simply lived in the grace of God. Imagine the change of a life when you stop trying to win God through religion and you start living out of the abundance of what you already have. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about this rest, this eternal rest. Now, the Sabbath was one day, right? Sabbath was sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That was the Sabbath rest. If you look today, whenever the Muslims celebrate a fast, they fast from sunup in the morning to sundown at night. That's their labor. When that day is over, they cease from their fasting and they have a party. So there's always an end to all those labors. That's what's going on here. And it says, let us make every effort to enter this rest. Okay, that sounds like we have to do something, right? It sounds like we have to do something to enter this rest, right? Let us make every effort. That phrase just means be diligent. Be diligent. Remember those Bereans? God blessed the Bereans. They were more noble than the others. Why? Because they diligently searched the word of God to be sure that everything was true. Your diligence comes in reaction to your salvation. Your diligence is to be sure that you understand the word of God, that you have searched the word of God, that if you are anxious about giving birth to a child, if you're anxious about a problem at work, if you're anxious about your family, if you're worried about your children, all those things are settled in the word of God. But you've got to diligently search out God's promises. The people who didn't go in the promised land didn't believe the promises. The reason we don't have peace today, we don't even know what the promises are. If I gave you a piece of paper and I said, list me 10 promises that God has made 
for people who are in Jesus Christ. And give me the scripture. I will bet most of us could do two. You know, be anxious for nothing but in all things, do prayer and something. God bless Philippians 4. You got to love it. Okay, we know a couple promises. Remember the old song, Standing on the Promises of Christ, my King? How can you stand on something you don't know? How can you stand on a promise you've never read? You know, what Sister Carol said is true. You come across that scripture, you see the scripture, you see the promise, and you stand on it. That's the right way to do it. That's the way to have peace and rest in your life because you know what God's promised. Let's finish this up. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. This is our last point. Jesus is the one that brings us that rest. Jesus is the only one that can bring us that rest. Here tonight, well, here today. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tested in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy. I'm going to substitute a word. That we may receive rest. Let us come boldly before the God of heaven that we might rest our souls. Quit worrying about if you're good enough for God. Go ahead, go to the word and find out you're not good enough for God. You're never going to be good enough for God. But Jesus was good enough for God. And if he is in you, then you're accepted. Can I get an amen on that one? At least. So he goes on. He says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the appropriate time. The most powerful man in all of Israel was the high priest. The high priest was the only one that could enter the Holy of Holies, the only one that could make the sacrifice for all of Israel. Okay? So when you needed help, you would go to a priest. When you needed a lot of help, you might try to find the high priest. Guess what, church? You've got the high priest living in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you if you were born again. Can I get an amen from the born again people? Now, if you're here today and you're not a believer, you've never looked at your life, you've never seen the sin there, you've never seen the unrest, the, the disbelief, if you've never seen that, and then you've never cried out to God to forgive you, that's the first thing you can do to enter that peace. The first way to have peace is to ask God to forgive you. You know, guys, we know what it's like. We get into fights with our wives all the time, you know? And, of course, we all know that men are always wrong. And the women said nothing. It's amazing to me. It's am you know, really, you guys are not listening. Here's the, here's the opportunity, and it's gone. Okay. That, you know I'm being funny, right? It's just a joke. You know, men are not wrong every time, most of the time, but not every time. Okay, here's the, th here's the thing, guys. When you are wrong, gentlemen, you know you have to what? apologize, or you're not getting back in your house. You can sleep outside with the dog. That's right. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Anyways, so here's the thing. When we are estranged from God, when we are separated from him, we are separated by our sin, by our unbelief, by our unwillingness to come to God and say, God, I can do nothing about my condition unless you forgive me. If you've never asked God to forgive you, you are not forgiven. That is a bold statement. I challenge anybody, anybody to find anything in the word of God that says anything different. I dare you to look for it. Find it. Don't believe it because I said it. Believe it because the word of God says 
you need to ask to be forgiven. It's so important that that's how we come to God, that we come there and that we approach that, that throne of grace. We don't need a saint. We don't need to go through somebody else. Yes, it's always good to have people pray for you. That is a blessing because it strengthens them and it strengthens you, but ultimately it's God who heals. So all the praise goes to him, amen. How can we remain in the rest that God gives us? We want to receive that mercy and that grace. We want to have that boldness, but we need to rest in that, in that, in that grace. So let's finish it up. How can we remain in the grace? Matthew 6, 9 through 15 says this. Therefore you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. First, give us today our daily bread. Every day we need to seek the Lord for the things that we need. We need to seek rest, church. Lord, my life is turned upside down. Lord, the doctor just said I have, I got a call from my brother yesterday. My sister's been getting, my sister-in-law's been getting treatment for cancer for a while. And all the little nodules around her neck that were cancerous have shrunken up and they're, they're gone now. So praise God. That, that's an answer to prayer. But every day, you need to be praying as if you were praying about a cancer. Because guys, unbelief is a cancer in your life that will eat you alive. Doubt, fear anger, jealousy, rage, all these things are cancers that live in us and only the great physician can excise them. You can go to a self-help class, you can read a Dr. Phil book, you can do whatever you want to do, but ultimately Jesus is the only one that can remove that bitter root of sin from our life. Amen? That's the truth. If you think you can take care of the problem, you're a fool. I don't say that lightly. The Word of God is specific. If you think you can do what God can't, you are acting foolishly and you are endangering your life. Okay? That is a serious, as a heart attack statement. There's nothing that you can deal with without the help of the Holy Spirit. Nothing. It won't work. So he says, give us today our daily bread, our daily rest, our daily strength, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Guys, forgiveness so critical in everything to have rest. If you have unforgiveness in your life, you will not have rest even if you're a believer. Even if you're a believer, unforgiveness will make sure that you are unrested because it will turn in your body. It will sit like a landmine waiting for someone to step on it and blow you to pieces. That's the truth of how we're made as human beings. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There is the way you remain in God's peace. Remember, you have an enemy, and his name is the devil, and he roams around seeking for someone to devour. Do you know how lions hunt? They roar. Do you know why a lion, I had to, I had to look this one up. Do you know why lions roar? Because their roar is so frightening, it causes their game, it causes their prey to jump. And when they jump, they can find them. The devil roars to see if you're going to jump to see if you're going to move. And if you move, he knows he's got you, and he's going to continue to intimidate you. What we need to do is stand up, the Word of God says, submit to the Lord, then reject the devil, and he will flee from us. Amen? That's how you deal with those things in your life that cause you no rest. So, do you want this rest? One, this rest depends on the condition of your heart, either faith or unbelief. Sitting here today, you either believe the Word of God or you don't. It's very simple. You might be a church member, 
You may have been a church member your whole life, but you either believe the Word of God or you don't. If you don't believe it, you will do nothing about it. And if you do nothing about it, you will never get any better. It's like somebody saying, hey, you have cancer. No, I don't believe it. I'm just going to keep living my life, and it'll kill you. Or you can believe, and you can do something about it. Now, two, rest awaits the one who is ready to cease from vain religious works and turn to Christ. I mean that. Things that you do in order to please God, guys, that's foolish. What do we do to work the works of, of God, according to the Scriptures? Believe in the one whom God has sent. Our faith in Christ pleases the Lord. What we do, our works, only matter if they come out of faith, if they come out of joy, if they come out of celebrating what God's already done for us. That's where that joy, that's where that boldness, that's where that strength comes from. It's from working out of what God's already done for us. Three, only Jesus can usher you into eternal, effective, and spirit-filled rest. But do you trust him to do it? Do you believe he's the only one that can do it? Do you trust him? Otherwise, you're standing at the River Jordan. You're looking across the river. There is the land flowing with milk and honey. There is peace. No walled cities. There is God's forgiveness, his eternal company. But guess what? you got to step in the water to get to the other side. You have to believe. Otherwise, you're not going across the stream. You're going to go back into that land of Nod, back into that land of wandering. Now, believers cease from striving. I mean, we, we, we have so much strife in our life, so much working and so much doing and so much that goes on that we have no rest and no peace in our lives. And allow Jesus to take complete command of your life. A lot of decisions we try to make, a lot of things we try to control, and we just can't. My encouragement to you is this. Rest in who God is. And he will show you where you're going. He will show you what you have to do. You may not have everything you want yet, but it's coming. It'll come in his time. You know what I'm saying? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Father, I thank you that we come today to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Father, I thank you that we come today to commemorate the rest that you brought us. Father God, when you sent your son to die on that cross, you did that so that we could cease being tormented in this life by trying to play religious games and by trying to please religious ideals. And you gave us the permanent, eternal rest in Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, you promised us abundant life, and abundant life begins here and now on this earth, the moment that we trust you, we have life in the same way. We know that there is rest beyond the veil. There is rest in heaven for those who have trusted in you. But Father, you bring us rest in this life. We can rest assured that you are with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us, and that today, even if my life is upside down, I can have rest for my soul because you are God and there is no other. And I believe that you love me, and that you will save me. Father, I pray for everyone here today who does not know that yet. Father, I pray for the one who has been to church but has never seen their separation from you. They've never seen the unbelief, the simply lacking of faith in the word separates them from you. God, I pray that today as we celebrate this Lord's Supper that they will see that they need to cease wandering and they need to come home to that promised Sabbath rest. In Jesus' name, amen.